So we're doing a series on the book of Ephesians. And though we're not doing a verse-by-verse expository study, we're taking studies within the verses. And we have, we've, we've reached the halfway point here. So we're in, we're in chapter 4. And I, I want to talk about these things. This is important. It may not be sensational. It may not be bombastic, but it's important. It's vital because he gives right here the seven ones or the seven, I call them the seven exclusives. The seven exclusives. Um, and we're going to, but at the end, we're going to focus on baptism. And we're going to talk about, I call it the baptismal fallacy. But let's look here and read some verses in chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Now, he was free. He was the Lord's freeman. He was the Lord's bondman. He was in jail at the time, but he was free of spirit and heart. But he was the Lord's bondman, not man's. Just wanted, wanted you to know that. Prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, we all have a vocation, I suppose. You know, when you meet someone, if you talk to them a little bit, it always comes up. Hey, what do you do? Not much. No. What do you do? Well, I'm a, I'm a electrician. I'm a carpenter. I'm a baker. Amen. I'm uh, a rancher. I'm a consultant. One guy, a fella, said, I'm a couch endurance tester. Amen. <laughs> I don't know if that pays well. I'm a refrigerator supply emptier. That's what I am. There you go. I like that one. If they'd pay enough. But it's but it, vocation. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you've been called. You know, it, it, called. Now, that's interesting because when I studied this, it's a, it's a calling aloud. It's, not a, it's something that God, when God called you, even though it wasn't, He didn't come out of the heavens and call your name and shout your name and tell you to come to Christ. But He did call your name and, and shouted your name spiritually and called you to Christ. Doesn't it say that in John 10? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them to them eternal life. They don't come to me until I call them. But they come. God's sheep. And it's a vocation. So it's called by name to walk a certain way, to, to live according to a certain way. And what would that way be? It's very simple, to walk in the truth. To walk in the truth. We walk worthy of the vocation where we would have been called. Well, we walk worthy of God and Christ. You know, when somebody, next time somebody, hey, what do you do? Christ is what I do. Christ is what I do. He's in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm living out what is inside of me, which is Christ. And that's who I am. And I'm a called to be a saint, which is a sanctified one unto God. That's my vocation. And so, since that's such a high calling, you know, it's the, what does it say? The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's a high calling. Look at verse 2. Since, you, since this is the case... We all run around strutting like that chicken out there with our head up. No, the opposite. All lowliness and meekness with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. 
that's how you, since you have this high calling, you got to be meek and lowly on earth. The Bible says even Christ had meekness and lowliness. And so we don't push our way. We don't feel entitled. We don't, what we do is we learn to be long-suffering, because you have to be in this world, forbearing one another in love. Put, it's interesting. Both of these have to do with endurance, long-term, putting up with, um, for a good, good while until God works on them. And they would do all things in love, it says, forbearing one another in love, that's in charity. And why do we do that? It says in verse 3, to endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Unity is the reason. We're endeavoring to keep unity. Now, Baptists like to stir it up. Baptists like to fight. You know, I think Baptists are about the last ones left that will fight over anything. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> anyway... But it's true, isn't it? But Paul said, unity. So we endeavor to keep unity. That's, an, that's a, a mission, a purpose, a goal. Why? The world wants to disrupt and separate us. So that word endeavor means to make some effort to it. Put some effort in. That's what it means. I'm endeavoring to keep the unity, what does it say? Of the Spirit. Right? And I'm endeavoring. So I'm putting some effort in. It actually means to use speed. Speed it up. Make it quick. Prompt. Alright? So we don't, we're not, we, you don't approach this in a very lax way. You approach it very fervently. And you have a strong intention to keep unity. Alright? But this unity, the Bible says right here, must be done in the Spirit in the bond of peace. Has, the Holy Spirit has to be doing it. It's, you can't do it with a human effort. It's impossible to do it outside of the Holy Spirit. So we do it with a divine love and seeking peace. Like it says, we're seeking peace. What is it? The bond that keeps it all together. Blessed are the peacemakers. We try. Now, that doesn't mean God didn't say blessed are the compromisers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. You can't violate the truth or violate your conscience to keep the peace. Just always remember that. You have to stay true to the truth. We walk in truth. Why? That's our vocation where we have been called. God didn't call us to, to make everybody like us, by the way. God called us to, make, to walk in His pleasure and try our best to keep the unity. So I'm calling this the seven ones to unity. Now I want to say something about this. You have to have all seven of these components to really to be saved. I, I, I didn't hit, this didn't really hit me until after I finished the uh, message or studying it. It hit me at the end. You've got this, these are not only urgent, these are necessary for a person to prove that they're saved. Now look what it says. Let's just study this. Now, verse 4. There is one body. You're going to count seven of these things. Seven ones. They're all exclusive, but they all go together. There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in 
you all. So, here's your seven exclusives. There's only one of these. Now, this is what's interesting. Some of these, there's only one. Many of these, there's many. But only one of them really matters. So this is what we're going to talk about. Try to differ. We're going to try to distinguish the seven ones. So let's look at the first one. Paul said, to stay unified in the Spirit, there is one body. Now what body would that be? The student body? I reckon not. Even the church body? No. There's many bodies. There's many local assemblies right now meeting having church as we speak. All over the world for that matter. Now, I know the heretics don't meet much on Wednesday nights anymore. And the, the liberals don't meet much on Wednesday nights either anymore. They allowed COVID to change everything. But Bible believers meet. But there's only, there's only one body. Now, what would that body be? It's very simple, right? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. The one bride. Christ is only going to have one bride. There's many virgins, one bride. We call it the church of the firstborn. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23 says that we, come, we are come to the church of the firstborn. Now, who is the firstborn? Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean he was the first to be born. It means the, one, the first to be born from the dead, risen from the dead. One of the, per, the proofs that Jesus was the Son of God was that he rose from the dead. According to Romans chapter 1, I think it's verse 4, it says He was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. But it also says, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. And that has to do with the resurrection. has not only to do with His birth, it has to do with His resurrection. So Jesus was the first one to rise from the dead on His own power, never to die again. We know Lazarus, was risen. There was three people that Jesus raised from the dead. And then there were some that were raised from the dead after Him, and there were some before Him. Elijah did it. Elisha did it. Uh, Peter did it. So, but, Jesus is the only one that rose on His own, in His own power, and never to die again. All these others passed away. So, there are many local assemblies, but one body. And we're, only, we're hitting these quick because I want to get to baptism and talk about this. And uh, by the way, it's not a church unless it assembles. You can't call yourself a church if you don't assemble and show up. Amen. We are a called out assembly. Amen. We meet. We come together. We, we become a church body at that point, right? So the church will assemble in heaven. That's what it means here. There's only truly one true church, and it composed of all the born-again believers since Christ till the end when the rapture takes place. The, the Bible calls it the fullness of the Gentiles will become in. The body of Christ will be complete. Jesus, will, we were complete in Him. The, 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 uh, he's the head. We are the body. The body of Christ. There's only one. Now look at verse the number two says, there's one spirit. Well, what spirit would that be? Because there's more than one spirit out there. There's many. There's spirits everywhere. There are spirits all over the world. There's probably spirits. We know there's spirits in hell. Second Peter says so. There's spirits roaming the heavens, but there's really only one spirit. 
What spirit would that be? The Holy Spirit. Very simple, right? There's only one spirit, this is what I'm getting at, of eternal significance. This is the only one that matters for eternity and for you dealing with to be saved and, and actually to stay saved. It's one spirit. Now, what does the next one say? Ye are called in one hope of your calling. There's only one true hope and one calling for the Christian. What would that be? Christ likeness. We have a hope that we're going to be like Him. We have a destiny that we will be like Him. Right? But it's a calling to become like Him. So every day we're aspiring to become like Christ. Full sonship. The adoption of sons. Which we've spoken on what adoption is. So it's a hope we strive for. It's a hope that will be achieved when we rise from the dead. He's the firstborn from the dead, afterward many sons. We will rise. He's the, first, he's the first fruit. He's the firstborn. Afterward, they that are Christ at His coming. So, what does that mean? Philippians 3.14, Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are called to become like Jesus Christ. So in the church age, this is the one hope that he's talking about right here. This is the only hope that matters. You say, oh, I hope it rains this week. Well, keep, I hope a cold front blows in, boy. Better hope better things. You better hope that you're going to become like Christ someday. You will. You will. It's the hope of our calling. So all three of these, there's only one that matters. Now this one's interesting. One Lord. One Lord. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now what he's saying is there's only one Lord that matters. Did you know the word Baal means Lord? They worship the Lord. Baal of many things. Baal of the breach. The Lord of the breach. The Lord of the whole. There were many Lords in the Old Testament. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. In verse 5, Paul said, But though there be that are called gods, see there's many gods, we'll talk about that in a minute, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and lords many. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord, there it is, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. So we find that Jesus is that one Lord. Right? So turn over to chapter 12. Chapter 12, and look at verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say Jesus is the Lord by the Holy Ghost. Now, most people that only call Him the good Lord, they don't probably know Him, but people who know who call Him the Lord, it's spirit unction. Now, we know that the devil is going to call Him Lord. We know that all will bow and call Him Lord. But to us, He's the one Lord. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. The one Lord. Only the regenerated can call Him that. Okay? So, there are many lords out there. I know it's kind of silly, but to the, to, the, to the wife, the husband, 
is Lord. First Peter chapter 3 says. Now look at, look at the next one. One faith. Now this one's interesting. You got some good little smiles from the women. They were excited about that, by the way. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just treat him right, like the Bible says, and, and God will bless you. There are many faiths. No. You know, people say, I'm of this faith, I'm of that. That's a total lie. Did you know there's only one true faith? There's, actually, there's only one faith. This one's interesting. There's many lords. There's many spirits. There's only one faith. There's only one faith. You can't say, I ha I'm following the Buddhist faith. That's not faith. Faith is only in Jesus Christ. You can't find one place in the Bible where faith is put or installed or, or used in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so when people say, my faith is strong, well, what is it? Turn over to Galatians chapter 2. What faith is it? So listen here a minute. We endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. We give it all we can because God said to live at peace with all men. And you try to keep unity in, in oneness until we come to the unity of what? The faith. That's found here in just, we'll look at that in a minute. But Galatians 2.20, many people, this is their life verse, their favorite verse. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I, life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the what? The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The faith. The faith. Now, he said, this, the only faith there is, is the faith of the Son of God. You know, the Bible says in James 2.1, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be impartial with respect to your persons. Why? It's the faith of him. That's the only faith there is. I hope that does that make any sense? Did you know in, in Philipp, uh, 1 Timothy 4:1 it says that many will depart from what? The faith. What are they departing from? Jesus Christ. And they're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. So when a Catholic is really worried about they, they, they want to get saved, they know they need to be saved, they're afraid to be saved, they'll always say, My family's going to tell me I quit the faith. It is no faith. It's not Jesus Christ. What they're basically saying is, I'm, I'm entering into the faith. I'm entering into belief and trust in only Jesus Christ. I'm believing that heresy, which is not faith. Faith is only in God. We can talk about that one more if you want later. Now, right, now number six, we'll go back to Ephesians 4. Number six is baptism. There is only one baptism. Now you think about that one. We'll come back to it. And then number seven. It says there's one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. There's only one God, the Father. We just read in 1 Corinthians 8, there's many gods. But there's only one true God. There's only one Creator. There's only one who's called the Almighty. 
There's only one who is Elohim, Jehovah, who is above all. He sits at the very top of the universe in heaven. Through all, everything was made by Him. And in you all, that's the fatherhood of God. He, 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 he's only your father if He's in you. Right? So what do we see here? You've got the whole Godhead. The Son. First it mentioned the Spirit. The Lord, which is Jesus. And then God the Father. You've got the... You have to have all three of these to be saved. Now what's interesting is the Bible says if you'll believe on Jesus Christ, you get the, the other two portions of the Godhead also. Does that make sense? You put your faith in Christ, you automatically get sealed with the Holy Spirit. You get God the Father as your Father. So you get all three through Jesus Christ and in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, uh, you have to have all these to be saved. And they all go together. And it's really beautiful. And I'm, loved, I'm glad Paul said there's only one of these because it, it distinguishes. So let's go back to baptism for a minute and we'll finish out on this. Now, these are exclusives. Okay, what that means is this is the only one that matters at the exclusion of all others. Okay? For eternity. That matters for, okay, distinction. They are distinctly, why? Eternal significance with each of these. So, they're very much, even baptism, even baptism, you must be baptized to be saved. I didn't very baptistic, buddy. You better watch it. You know, interesting about Baptists are we, we, our name is we baptize our converts, but we know that water baptism doesn't save them. Isn't that interesting? Why? It's a different baptism. Did you know there's seven baptisms in the Bible? Different types, but only one of them is the one baptism that has eternal significance. Now, let's, 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 let's look at this. Seven baptisms. Let me show you real quick. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. So we know it's real interesting to me that there's only one body and there's only one faith, but there's many of all these others. Actually, there's only one hope of your calling. There's many of these all these others, but only one of them matters for eternity. I'm trying, I don't want to... Uh, confuse you too much, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 10.1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, this is Israel, and were all what? Baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. I know whatever Baptist is going to say, but when they were all going into the sea running from Pharaoh, Moses pulled them over and said, we will baptize every one of y'all first. <laughs> <laughs> We're all getting dunked before we cross. <laughs> no, they were going through the sea. That was the baptism. They identified unto Moses. They were baptized unto Moses. Basically, they were he was the lawgiver. They're baptized unto law. So this is going through the sea through identification that they are people of the covenant that God gave to them before they ever left. Egypt. 
you are, God said you're going to be my people. You got to get baptized. You're going through the sea. All right? So what about, okay, turn to John chapter 1. And when you study the Bible, what, once again, the proof of how beautiful the Bible is and how wonderful it is and how unsearchable, most of these major doctrines, there are seven. Seven judgments, seven resurrections, seven raptures, seven, what are we talking about here? Baptisms, but only one matters. All right? Only one really matters for us. It's for the church. Who did Paul write Ephesians to? I don't think he wrote it to the people, uh, the Pharisees in Jerusalem. He wrote it to the church in Ephesus, which was a Gentile city, by the way, which means my desired ones. All right? So, John chapter 1, and I, I must hasten. Look what it says in verse 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus, this is John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man, which is preferred before me, for he was before me. This is John speaking. Look what John says. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode on him. And I knew him not. It's so interesting to me. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Unto whom thou shalt see the Spirit descend. What? Same as he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So the second is John the Baptist's baptism. Now what is that baptism? It was in water. It was fully immersion. But you know what the purpose was? Number one, we just read it. To manifest Christ to Israel. Jesus said, suffer it to be so. I have to be baptized so I can be, so I can be proven to be the Son of God. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily presence like a dove. And God spoke from heaven saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. That was the manifestation to everybody that saw it. This is God's Son. God said so from heaven. But also, it was a baptism of repentance. Why? We are preparing for the Son of God to come to us and come and, and save us. Now listen, this is a national baptism to the nation of Israel. Not one Gentile ever got baptized by the baptism of John the Baptist. Do you understand that? Not one. All Israel. So that's obviously not the baptism that Paul's talking about in Ephesians 4. And neither is the one about Moses either. So let's keep looking. What's the third one? Turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. First baptism was the baptism of Moses under the cloud and in the sea. Second baptism was the baptism of John the Baptist for repentance, but it was to manifest the Messiah to Israel. The third one is found in Matthew chapter 20. So look what it says in verse 22. But Jesus answered and said. Now this is to John and James. Johannes. There you go. Alright. You know not what you ask. 
Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. He saith unto them, You shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father." This is not saying that John and James were going to go get baptized after this. They'd already been baptized. They got baptized way back when John the Baptist was preaching. I just want you to understand that. Jesus is saying this is a baptism of physical suffering. Suffering. But it's a baptism. And He's saying, you're going to, get, you're going to suffer just like I did. You know, James was beheaded in Acts chapter 12. John lived till he was 90-something years old, boiled in hot oil, and, uh, and, he, and he lived through it. He was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. The most beloved man, John, was hated and persecuted most of his life. His own church he started kicked him out, and a guy by the name of Diotrephes wouldn't even let him come. Why? He had to suffer just like Jesus did. It's called the baptism of suffering. You know what this suffering is? This is a baptism to the will of God above your own body. I will do God's will, not my body's will. Okay? Uh, I'll go ahead and say it. This is not the one baptism that John's talk, uh, Paul's talking about in Acts chapter 4. Let's look at the next one. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Now a lot of this is a dispensational thing, but look at Acts chapter 2. This is the famous verse that Peter says to his converts at Pentecost. When they all said, what shall we do? They were pricked. Uh, they were pricked. They wanted to know what to do. What did Peter say in Acts 2.38? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now this is also, what is this? This is full immersion. They're going to get baptized in water. But this is different because Peter's, this is Peter's baptism it's water baptism to Israel after Jesus' death. He's given, it's similar to John's, but it's different. You know why? He's telling them to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You see that? Y'all see that? He says, you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's a Jewish designation of the Messiah of Israel. No Gentile was there getting baptized at this baptism. Once again, all Jews. Even less the ones that where they came from. Jews and proselytes. So we know this is not the baptism that we are talking about. Now, that Paul speaks of in Ephesians chapter 4. They got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, who is He? The Messiah of Israel. I just want you to know that. All right, now, there's another one. Let's look at this one. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Remember when Jesus sent the, told the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel? To what? All nations. Now, now you're getting to some Gentile Baptist preaching here. 
He told him to go to all the world and preach to God, preach to all nations, baptizing them. What kind of baptism was it? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It's different than Jesus Christ. Now I'm telling you, it's major difference. Look here in Acts chapter 10 and verse 48. Now, this is Peter who's opened the door to the Gentiles. Remember, Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. On Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, he used that key to open the door to the Jews getting saved. In Acts chapter 10, he's going to open the door to the first Gentiles getting saved. This is a man named Cornelius and his family. And in verse 28, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of what? Jesus Christ. No, of the Lord. Do you all know how significant that is? Did you know most of the perverted versions call it get baptized in the name of Jesus? I looked it up. The Bible says it's the Lord. You know why? The Lord. Y'all write this down and look it up later because we don't have time. In Jude verse 5, it calls the Father Lord. In Philippians 2.11, it calls the Son the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it calls the Holy Spirit the Lord. So when you get baptized in the name of the Lord, you're getting baptized in the Godhead's name. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Peter was telling them earlier in Acts to get baptized in the name of I had a fellow one time argue with me over this. He said, I want to get baptized. I said, okay. He said, but I want you to baptize me in the name of Jesus. You know, to most people they'd say, that's fine. I wouldn't do it. I said, God told us to baptize in the name of the Lord. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not Jesus. You want to hear what happened? We got in the baptistry. I baptized him. And as I was taking him down, he said, in Jesus' name. He yelled it out. You know what happened to that fellow after that? He, he went and joined one of those uh, Jewish Messiah, uh, Sabbath Baptist churches. He wanted to be a Jew. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about here. This, 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 is, the, this is a baptism that matters. But you know what? That doesn't save people. We can baptize people in the name of Jesus Christ or the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all day long. That doesn't save them. It's water baptism, right? Oh, it's identification. We do it. We, saw, we do it as obedience to Christ. But that's not the one baptism that Paul's talking about in Ephesians 4. That's, that's not. There's a lot of churches that teach you must be baptized in water to be saved. One church in particular teaches it contacts you to the blood. And, you, and that's what saves you. You get washed by the water, but it gets contacted by the blood. And that's what cleanses your sins away. That's heresy. Utter heresy. It's a work of man, by the way. It's a total work. What's the next one? Hey, y'all are staying away. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. So we've talked about five baptisms. Five baptisms. This is the sixth. 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 13. For by one Spirit... 
Are we all baptized into one body? Uh-oh, y'all see the connection here? By one Spirit, we're baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Now, this is such an interesting, this is a complete uh, baptism. You know why? The Holy Spirit is doing the baptizing. And it's baptizing you inside and out. You actually drink of the Spirit of God when you, go, when you get this baptism. So not only do you get fully immersed outside, outwardly, your whole inner man gets completely baptized by the Holy Spirit. And where do we go? Into the body of Christ. Full immersion. Is that the one Paul's talking about? Not a really a trick question, but that's the one. That's the one. I wasn't trying to trick you. But there is one more baptism. And for, for time's sake, let's look at it. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. That's why I call this the baptismal fallacy. You know why? A lot of people get these baptisms mixed up and they're going to go to hell on it because they, it's a work of man. Right. The Bible says we're saved by the operation of God. He, you want to get baptized by me or God? I mean, that's pretty simple, isn't it? You baptize, I, I baptize you. I'm tainting it. You're going to go down wet? center and you're going to come up a, a dry center you're going to come down a wet center that's it something like that all right Matthew 3 and so John the Baptist is speaking of Christ here oh it says in verse 11 Paul John the Baptist is saying I baptize you with water under repentance see there that's his repentance baptism we don't Paul doesn't tell us to preach that, even though he did say that he did say we will preach repentance to the, to the Gentiles. But look at this. And after, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, and with fire. So the last one is, bat, they should be laughing. This is hellfire baptism for the lost. They will be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. And if you look at this, it says that Christ will do it. Christ will baptize them in fire. We're all going to get baptized by, God, by Christ. Everybody. The, the saved are going to get baptized, what? By the Holy Ghost. By the Spirit. Into the body of Christ. But the lost are going to go to unquenchable fire, which is the lake of fire. Now, going back to it, there's only one baptism that matters. You can get, you don't have to be water baptized to be saved. I think though, if you get saved, you'll get water baptized. If the opportunity arises, you will do it because of the importance of it. Because in Acts it says they commanded them to get baptized. It was a command of God to do it. So that's why I call this the baptismal fallacy. You know how many people gone to hell trusting baptism? Trusting the wrong one. Just trust Christ. Trust Christ. It's not of the seven. So you can see how all of these seven go together to 
enforce the fact that we're saved. Amen. Forever and ever. The whole, you know, the, the Bible says the whole Godhead got involved in you getting saved. It drew you, they drew you, they called you together. It's a working of the whole God. God fully, it's amazing. And God did it all, and we're saved. All right. If you have any questions on that, let me know. Our thoughts. So the question would be, have you been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ? Have you, has this happened for you? And if so, have you been water baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit proving that you're saved so you can be a member of a New Testament church? Has that happened for you? And if you have, then what you're doing is you're bowing to the will of God and you will have the baptism of suffering because Jesus said the, the servant's not over his Lord and, and we will suffer like him. And we take up our cross just like Jesus took up his. And we have the same type of identification that Moses had. Ours is with Christ though, under grace, not the law.